Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend like subscribe. Today on Americana Quill, we are going to discuss episode four, Lovecraft Country, with who other than Jesse Creighton. So basically, episode four, the title is The History of Violence. And the synopsis is this. Montrose learns that Titus birthright pages from the Book of Names are stored in a vault in a museum in Boston where Birthright donated a wing dedicated to his career as an explorer. Mantra tries to hide this information from Tick as he wants his son to stop pursuing magic, but he eventually relents and goes with Tick and Letty to the museum. The break into the vault after hours and find a desic desiccated corpse bent over the, the same pages. When Tick tries to take them, the corpse remnants into an artwork. That means two spirit named Yahima. Yahima tell Tick that Birthright to kidnap them and lock them in the vault after they translated the pages for him. They agreed to leave with, with the Chicago travelers, but the vault begins to flood and the four barely escape. Upon returning to Chicago, Montrose murders Yahima to keep them from revealing more information about the pages. Meanwhile, Sheriff Lancaster and Christina V. Vi over control of the Chicago Sons of Adam Lodge. William seduces Ruby, and Hapalea and Diana go in search of answers about George's death. So there's a lot going on when it comes to season, I mean, not season, sorry, episode four, especially with them all going kind of their own directions. But like, I love that. Um, Hepalea, which is George's wife, is not taking no for an answer when it comes to traveling with them this time, right? And seeking the truth and not and going with them because it's like you're not going to use my car and not tell me where you're going. So now I'm going with you. I also think she also doesn't want to lose anybody else. Mm, that's an interesting yeah. perspective. A lot. Like we might as well travel more. together. There's only a right. few left with the you know same blood. Right. I don't know. I just think she she felt she knew that they were lying, right? So it's like if you guys aren't going to tell me the truth, I found my own truths and figured this out. Eventually, y'all gonna slip up, you know. Right. <laughs> um. Hold on, I'm just pulling up more of a synopsis. This is the episode that was um, directed by uh, Victoria Mahoney, um, which I told you before that she was the first woman to direct a uh, Star Wars movie which I just wow. wanted to put it out. Um, That's big. I didn't know that. You know, he learned something new every day. Um, right. And it was a very good episode because it kind of gave you Goonies vibe. If you've ever seen the movies Goonies where there was a treasure hunt. Mm -hmm. um, it was a lot of action. And it was, <laughs> it was surprising. You know. I would agree with that. Like just just what you saw, you're like, wow, wow, wow. Like my I think my mouth was touching the floor after watching the episode. Um, just with the adventures that they went on. Um, the fact that they went on a family road trip to go and uh, you know, find out more information, you know, because it's all about learning and you know, learning more to help, you know, with the cause of trying to figure out how to use the magic for right. yourself. Um and I just enjoyed 
the Goonies aspect of it. Like a, a treasure hunt is always fun, you know, and having to get through mazes and, you know, <laughs> murky water, <laughs> stuff like that. Like it's fun. Um, and then finding the treasure, like it, it, right. it's the icing on the cake, especially for an episode, especially when all of these episodes are so packed with so much information, you know, um, but definitely like I'm, Hippolyta was like, I'm coming with you. <laughs> right. Um, I love the backstory of Hippolyta in this one where um, her and Dee force themselves to go on the trip, but then they kind of venture off and go to, they actually enjoy the museum while the others are trying to find a way to break into the museum. They're just actually doing a tour of the museum. And <laughs> yeah. during the tour of the museum, um, Hippolyta kind of talked about, I guess she, when she was a kid, she named a star, but they like gave the name to a white a white girl that came in second place, although she really won the the um the contest or what yeah, have you. She was like, My mama named that star. Like she right. was so proud. That was another thing that I just remember now. Like that was one of my favorite episodes, is where D was like, My mama made that. My mama named it. That's me. Right. Not your mama, my mama. <laughs> you know, she definitely made it clear. The whole name. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was pretty cool. It's like showing showing more of like what she's really into, right? Because no one knows what she's into until like episode three when she kind of gets into the solar system. And like, I guess, you know, who, who else would you tell about something of a passion of yours besides like your parents who knew you since you were a kid? So that was kind of spoken about a little bit. But then it gets more absorbed when she's like, kind of giving more information than what the actual people that are giving the toys are about different things inside of the museum. So I thought that was pretty cool. Actually, now thinking back on it now, um, the fact that Hippolyta and her father have a common interest. Yeah. It kind of shadows that George and Dee had a common interest of reading books, you know. Or and, comic books and some things of that nature, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it's beautiful to see a father-daughter relationship, you know, especially yeah. generations of it. Right. You know, and I, it, yeah. yeah. I think it only takes one to break cycles of that stuff, right? If if one father is there for their kids, I think usually you would like to think that the next generation would do the same or if they just yeah. decide not to for whatever reason. So like society of like systems prevent that somewhat, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was really sweet though, just thinking about that yeah. now. I don't know if that's my favorite scene, but that was an enjoyable scene for me to see. Yeah, I, I got to stop jumping so quick. <laughs> no, that's all right. Don't worry I, about like, it. You know, it touched my heart, but it's one of my favorite scenes, but... Ugh. So I guess my first, what we usually say is, what's, what was your favorite, your favorite scene in episode four? Um, I think my favorite scene is when they're... They find how to get, you know, they find what they're looking for. They go down the, you know, the little steps. They start, you know, following the map. Meanwhile, it was very funny that Montrose was like, I told you you wasn't, you're not supposed to touch nothing. Don't break nothing. And then they end up breaking something anyway, like, you know, underlying funny. And yeah. they get down there and they like, <laughs> they're like, oh, we got to walk across this long plank that's been here for ages and centuries. And it's like, this going to hold all of their weight. And Letty thinks that that little bit of support that gives her confidence is that little tiny rope. And she gets mm -hmm. halfway out there and she's like, something's swinging at me. 
And then, you know, he comes behind her and takes the rope off and he's like, you got to go. And she's like, you just took the little bit of faith that I had. Right. And he's like, just go. Um, and like her getting through, but standing there waiting. And then, you know, it starts to disintegrate, you know, the the plank and then he has to jump and then they all have to work together. And then they're like, what's the code? What's the code? And then out of the blue, Montrose is like, it's Adam, this, 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 this. And then they get it open and yeah. they like fall into the, like into another part of where they have to go. Um, yeah. You see, Montrose is amazing because he's like the genius, but he doesn't want to be the genius. He doesn't want to know it. Yeah. It's like he, he doesn't want to, he wants to free himself of anything that can cause him harm. Like he doesn't care yeah. for it. And that's why he probably drinks a lot too, right? Is it like escape? So it all plays into like, that. When your brother died, you became the oldest person in the family. And you know how people say, like, when you're the oldest person in the family, you're the one, the head of the family. So right. the matriarch or the, or the patriarch of the household, yeah. Yeah, like he's like, I already don't want this, so I'm be drunk. But I start to see him like in that episode where he didn't really drink, he was like focused on the mission. And that's what right. I liked about him in this series is that like, yeah, the last series he was drunk, you know, but this series he's about his stuff because- Episodes, you kept saying yeah. series. Yeah, uh, sorry, so. episodes, I'm sorry. Um, the episode, like he's about his stuff this time. And mm -hmm. it was good to see all of them working together, you know, in that way. No, I agree. What I what I appreciate about Montrose though, in this episode in particular is more of, um, well, what I appreciate of him and his character overall is, He's always trying to save and protect Tick. However, he's just a natural born fuck up on most things. So it's like, even though he's trying to save him, he's making it worse at times. And a perfect part is like the ending of this episode. But that's yeah. the point. So the, for me, I, I, like I said, I don't have a favorite scene, but I do appreciate Apollea making sure that she was allowed to go on the trip. And then her kind of having that interaction with Dee and like, showing a side of her of her world of what the things that she's truly into which d had no idea about because she never really knew her mom's interest with her mom never spoke about them yeah and i think that's beautiful that like she's not she knows she's no longer able to play the background because there's no more george right so now she has to be front and center for her daughter so i thought that was very interesting Hold on, I'm trying to get back to the thing so I can at least look at some stuff that happened in the episode if I forgot. Um, oh, that's fine. I just don't want to over, like, leave something out. Yeah. So who do you... Who, who I would say, who has your favorite um, performance in the episode and why? Um, As you're looking for stuff. Uh, For me, it's Hippolyta and Andy. Uh, I like Tick because, you know, without Tick, we wouldn't have been able to complete, you know, I feel like without all three of them, you wouldn't have been able to complete the, you know, the treasure hunt. Right. No, no, Tick, no. Yeah, for sure. Like when Tick gets into the, into the, I guess it's a, to me, it looks like a ship, like the inside of a ship. And where, you know, they went to go grab the, the scroll or a piece of paper. I don't, it might be a scroll of some, some sort of information that would help them. And mm -hmm. it wakes up the spirit and the spirit ends up being a hermaphrodite. Right. Um, and that he's the only able to talk to them because he has the same, a similar bloodline to the papers and all that. Yeah, I found that interesting. Like, 
I love that part where he was able to, you know, he had no idea. He It was like in Harry Potter where he knew how to speak, you know, to snakes. Like, it right. just came. Like, he didn't know how to do it. He just did it. And that's what it reminded me of Tick is, like, he's... <laughs> His blood is worth so much, you know. Right. They put it in the right character. And he was really trying to save that 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 spirit. Um, I don't personally know mm -hmm. what happened to her after. <laughs> oh, Montrose killed it. Okay, Montrose killed it. Because I remember them going up in the elevator and he punched it because it was making the Cyrus, the Cyrus noise. And, you know, I didn't really see much after that. But knowing now, he killed it, which... Montrose did thinking like this would stop what's his name from going for magic, but it just made them get into a big explosion of a fight, yeah. I believe. Yeah, that was like the very last episode on how they ended it. And that like pissed me off that he would even do like this is Montrose doing too much of being Montrose, you know, like a perfect example of him just doing too much. He was using his head of the household, uh, held of the family <laughs> right. power. But just making things 10 times harder for them, pretty much. Because at this point, Tick is not, there's no turning back for him. He's not going to not find out what this book is and keep it out of the hands or figure out why is it so valuable to these particular people. Because I think now he finally sees that magic is super true and like he now can have some of that. It's a beautiful thing to him and in some levels. Yeah. And it's something that needs to be protected, obviously, if it gets into the wrong hands. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. And like I said, my favorite part of the episode, outside of Montrose just being Montrose and messing everything up, was Hippolyta just just about science and just having a passion. And it was, I just thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I like seeing the passion come out. Yeah. So, what spoke to you most about the episode? Um, to me, what spoke to me most is family. Family is key. Family is important, and. I really think besides learning the truth, that's why Hippolyta got in the car. She didn't want to lose anyone else or she didn't want to be there. You know, she didn't want to lose someone else and not be able to be helpful. Right. And, you know, even like seeing her and Dee's relationship today, like in that episode, like I love seeing backstories in a way. I love building on relationships and building on stories. Mm -hmm. And... It's true, like you said, like they went there and they went to go love, you know, see something that they truly loved and the, the other people was there scheming, you know, right. like it was a good story with two different roads that it went down, but they both no, led to each other, you know. Right. So I also enjoyed, um, well, what spoke to me most about the episode was like what towards the ending of when they found the treasure and then the, Ar the Arawak, I guess is what they call it, the y Yaima. So for her to be a person who exists outside of like the colonial and constructed gender binary that we all know and the construct of that, and then who then only 10 minutes later to be violently killed feels wrong. However, the character uses use she or her pronouns, pronounces of Yaima, and he doesn't seem to indicate this as a misgendering, you know, I thought yeah. that was interesting. And that we simply get that validated from her by using these different pronouns and just the introduction feels too too gazy so it's like hard for me to truly understand her whole purpose because it was like so quick of what she was there for besides um knowing that the person that sent her there 
was was horrible because he's like he sent it there and be like you know how you gonna know your family's okay i'm gonna kill them all in front of you so don't yeah. worry about it so destroying her whole family leaving her as the only spirit left and then mantra to be the one to take out all of her type of people i thought was horrible yeah all that woman wanted was to go back to her family right and probably go back to where she's from the roots and everything so for her not to get that choice for her to feel relaxed as if like they were safe now because she saw some type of good in tick but wasn't too sure for machos to like destroy that by what he did was horrible to me but yeah especially when she trusted tick you know he touched the tick but she wasn't sure of why she couldn't trust them all and i think she knew that mm -hmm. some of them would have reservations and that reservation came from mantras yeah so i, just I thought that was crazy yeah, watching like movies like in that like era and even before you know like from her time um they just when people don't know you know i feel like that's why circuses were created like you know when people don't know they're gonna put you on on a show like a woman yeah. with a beard you know a woman with you know 12 fingers or you know they're always gonna put you you know be someone entertainment you, you can't use you anymore you know, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like the Guinness World <laughs> Book of Records in a way. Like, that's how it looks in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, I agree. She shouldn't have been killed. Yeah. So that was that was pretty whack. And what I do like is that um, after they go to the museum, I believe her and Dee travel a little bit within boston and they are to the lodge i think and they see like the burnt house right of the rebel and everything if i'm not mistaken or something yeah which i don't have so much information on because i can't remember but i know she traveled and she looked on the map and saw the same place that they circled and then doubled back to check that area of seeing how like what kind of happened to possibly her husband and these like yeah. confused on like what's happening yeah and i agree i think that's exactly what happened yeah. I feel like I have to rewatch the episode because, guys, there's a lot going on in all of them. Not always, so that's for sure. So what was, like, one of your... Damn, this one's going to be a quick one, I guess, because it was really just about them traveling and then them trying to find this book. It wasn't much of new information to be dispersed besides, like, the books of some of the pages, not the whole book that Titus had for him to get to. So when he gets that, I think it leads to him eventually getting more pages, but that's kind of shown in the next episode. It's not necessarily shown in this one. Yeah. So what was your favorite sci-fi moment? If I could say, or paranormal or moment that's not, that's super fiction, I guess is the best way to put it at this point. Um, I did like when they were, um, they were trying to get into the ship part of the thing and <laughs> he like, after you see that somebody's arm got ripped off, you just was like, I'm gonna just put my arm in here, you know, not, you know. Oh, having yeah. Faith, having yeah. Faith that his arm wasn't gonna get ripped off. Like, I thought it was pretty cool, especially when, you know, he put it in, it still, you know, tried to bite him, but then it absorbed the blood and like, it helped open everything. Which was funny because I thought it was gonna open that door and then it opened like a trap door, you know, for them to climb up. Um, yeah. And also, like at the end where they were going up and then she made that noise and he punched her. Like, I thought it was, I thought it was the right thing to do at that time, you mm -hmm. know, but not what Montrose did. <laughs> Montrose right. 
Um, Andre took it to a whole new level. She just couldn't talk. Like they could have just wrote stuff down. Like, yeah, and I feel like, and she had a, she had a. It was a spell, right? It was a spell. It's not. Well, she couldn't talk no more though. That was the problem, and that's why she started screaming like that. Because I think there was a spell, like once she leaves the quarters or whatever the dimensions are of that room. Oh, okay. See, I didn't even get that. Thank you for enlightening me on that. No, yeah, because that's why he punched her. He's like, yo, like, what is this happening right now? And she can't stop it because she's probably wondering why is this happening to her right now? Oh, that's true because they were in the elevator going back up. So they were leaving the, you know, the, I wouldn't say mythical, but magical area. Dimensions that she was in, Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so, so yeah, that's, that's why he did that. And then they were able to communicate through pen and paper, I think, somewhat, because she spoke a certain language that he could decipher with reading. Yeah, okay. And he doesn't know how to naturally read that. So it's like, oh, how the hell did he get that? And it's all because it's in his bloodline. There's no, you know, so it just shows that he is truly the chosen one, because if not, his hand would have probably got yanked off, too. Because yeah. who put her there is the birthright, who has yeah. the bloodline, you know? And I think but that's I, the difference... Um, between Christina and her father because she grew up around magic, you mm. know? And Tick has magic inside of him that he doesn't even know how to use yet. Right. And it's just because he didn't grow up in a family that practices magic. Well, I also think he's the closest descendant to the birthright compared to the rest of them. Like, the rest of them yeah. is, like, second cousins, once removed type of stuff where that's not him. Tick is, like, a, a true arc of the line kind of if I'm not mistaken and that's why they need his blood more than anyone else's that they could use yeah. which I find super super unique super interesting it's just it just all goes back every episode goes back to like his lineage right and how strong it is yep. on, on both sides he got the faith from like the black side but then this magical whimsical world on on the white side which I thought it's pretty interesting yeah so for me i guess the side the, the paranormal moment like you said is just the whole tunnel because that was like i think i was like sitting up like hunched over trying to see if they would make it through like because it's like because <laughs> of what happened to george after two episodes you're like oh maybe it's a pattern like every two episodes two to three episodes somebody's dying so i was like who who would die and I, my money was on mantras because like you're over here drunk trying to swim don't probably don't know how to swim so no, I was, swim at all. <laughs> right right and i think they mentioned that like he you know he didn't he wasn't a, a swimmer so there was just a lot going on in that episode for sure but it shows mantra's genius right it's like he just can't get out of his own way because he just takes yeah. it a step a little step too far and like that's how he was with tick if you if you ask tick about his childhood it's like my father could have just told me not to do something and I would have done it. But he always just felt like it was best for him because he was just unhappy with himself just to whip me instead of just telling me, hey, don't do this right now. Yeah. And sometimes he didn't do nothing truly wrong. It was just his father just wanted to take out whatever was eating him up alive on someone else. And that shows more. And you understand why he does that more after basically... Um, this episode and a few more you kind of go more into Macho's story even deeper of why he's the way he is yeah so I thought that was pretty interesting I feel like it's definitely a coming of age story for Montrose in a way right right so after these four episodes 
outside of our protagonist, who should always probably be our, the main character we're rooting for, because the story goes with him and drives with him. Who are some of your favorites after Tick? Um, in the first four episodes, it definitely goes Tick, Uncle George, Letty, uh, Montrose, and then it's Hippolyta and D, and it's just because of them being in this. My uh, my favorite characters will change with the series, um, right. but I definitely love Letty, and I definitely love like everybody in the first episode. I definitely love all of them, and I have a special love for Ruby. Um, yeah, same. That's like, what I should have said because I feel like I picked Ruby a lot, but it's more of she was the most relatable to me out of all the characters. That's what I'm saying. Like in the in I I'm I relate more to Ruby in the episodes to come than I did now. Right. You know? Well, Ruby Ruby's like the backdrop right now of the story, but hers yeah. she even has a big role too that comes up very soon. maybe even episode five. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm not too sure. I don't remember. I think that's the start of it. Is right. episode five where you start to really know who Ruby is, but like. I'm all about girl power. I keep saying it. I'm all about it. And Ruby, Hippolyta, even D, like, just wait, wait, tune in, wait, get on to HBO Max right now. Like, listen, like, watch it. Like, be in tuned with us because it only yeah. gets better, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's perfect. That's so true. So... Is there anything else you want? Well, I guess I should give you my list, right? For me, I just love people that remind me of people I know. So Montrose is one outside of Tick, obviously, just because yeah. he tries so hard to do the right thing, but somehow he still messes up. And it's like, you know, you, you want him to finally do something right, where it's like he's beloved finally, but that doesn't happen in the first four episodes. No, it does not. Mm-mm-mm. And then from him, I would say I love Hepalea because it's like she's finding her voice, which I think is very important for women to do. It's like, especially if you always had a voice and then you dimmed it. It's like she tried to dim down her light to make George shine brighter, but she should have shined bright right along with him, you know? And that's where a lot of her pain comes from, which I find interesting. <clears throat> so I like seeing her story and like her finally find herself after the passing of George. Yeah. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see it, Brynn. <laughs> like, yeah. just her character growing and building. And right. I love that her, that she's going to keep the book going. She's going to keep the guide going and updated and make sure that people know. So right. they can have a safe travel. And, and I she, love made that, that. she made that clear, I think, in episode two or three, when she got mad at Tick for trying to do final approvals without her permission. Cause that's now her her company you know so yeah that's now her responsibility she came up with that with uncle george and you know right. it just it sucks that you know tick was trying to help out and you know he just helped out a little too much <laughs> no it's not that he helped out too much it's more of he thought he just you know, if she, if if she really knew why he died, she probably would have been more okay with it. But her feeling like they're lying to him is like, I can't trust you all the way like I'm supposed to. So I don't think it's that. And it's just like, you know, I lost, you're trying to do everything that my husband did, but it's like, you're not my husband. So it's like. Yeah. And also you can't yeah. grieve for your husband in an episode. 
Right. You know, even though it's a couple of days difference, because I know episode three, episode three was about eight or nine days. True. Um, if you watch it. Yeah, like sometimes the laughs are different. Like one time is three weeks, one time is like a few days later or the next day. It changes. Yeah. So no, I totally get that. I totally, totally, totally get that. I'm trying to think. What's your star rating for this one? That's what I was thinking. Like, hmm. Uh, for me, I think I'm back out of five for this one because it it's subplotting everyone into their respective places. However, it gets deeper from where it got left off at from episode three. So I appreciate knowing more about Hippolyta. Yeah. I appreciate um, the integrity that Tick has at this point. I appreciate Letty going along for the journey where she could have opted out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And just Montrose for like a little bit of comic relief, but like needing some t- somebody to create the, the tension and the trouble of how it, it's not so easy to get to the journey because of his own paranoia of thoughts. So I, I kind of enjoyed it for those reasons for sure, like and to encompass episode four. I don't think I could argue with you there. I agree with that. <laughs> I think that is a five star episode and it filled in the blanks of what we were missing episode and, three for sure yeah. and it it's just building and it's building like it's building for the next episode and it just gets better and it just gets more <laughs> impact in the episodes to come um no absolutely i can't wait to knock out episode five and six for sure because that's when and seven i believe makes the turn for the better but it's just interesting because just a, a sneak peek into what episode five is like they kind of foreshadow going back in time even more back than the 1950s but now we're going to go to when tick i believe was entering the korean war if i'm not mistaken so yeah. that should be interesting to like break down and you get to see what happens in the korean war because i looked it up because i wanted to be politically correct um mm. so what is the korean war um yeah and you get to see what he's doing over there and how how a lot of the things from the beginning first episode kind of starts tying in even more so it's definitely helps brings it not a full circle but like a semicircle at this point i definitely felt like five is where i started to like finally understand like connect more the dots yeah yeah Um, but yeah i agree a five-star episode and i feel like the rest of the episodes are definitely going to be packed with more five-star material the more you repeat it and the more you watch it the more information you remember the more of the foreshadowing you see in like today's times compared to what's happening for sure happens now that i'm like in my mind just going all over the place just thinking bunch of sensor fires going off just remembering certain things yeah yeah that's why i was like trying to write it down like i'm i'm getting in the habit of really trying to take notes when i'm watching something because i would love to get how i really feel you know right and a lot of you know shows have uh talk shows now you know in a way where you know they want to hear what you have to say and everything and And break it down and their thought processes or like how someone thinks of things yeah kind of like the youtube reaction shows like when you watch someone react to something but like a little bit more in depth for podcasts for sure yeah which i i enjoy and i'm i'm very excited to do this with you oh question um What's your favorite writing 
from the episode like what episode is your favorite that was written your favorite i guess since we are like a writing and, and reading kind of podcast um i think it has to be one and two have to be the way my favorite way that they read it because for someone to be able to multitask when writing and making sure that they get every detail in i wasn't disappointed even yeah. though i was confused in a way um, i appreciate that too yeah like i told you i don't mind being confused as long as i'm interested in it mm -hmm. um but i definitely enjoyed that which ones did you enjoy the most I enjoyed the writing of episode one. I think that was probably a great pilot episode that like was like, wow, I'm blown. And now I got to see what happens next. Yeah. And then episode three and four, I just, even though there's more, I love how all of them are written, but episode one, three, and four, I felt was like so tight knit that like there's nothing for me to be bored about within the story or nothing for me to like want to look at my phone. Like my phone had to be away from me for those three episodes for sure. Episode two, because I didn't care for horror, is like probably the only reason why I was like, eh. But other than that, it was like, it's all written very well. It's all structured in such a way that like, it's hard for you to, you blink and you're going to miss something. You're going to have to rewatch it a few times and then you'll start connecting different dots and different things happening. Like, especially if you're like into conspiracy theories, like this is like a perfect series to get into because it just breaks down different nuances of thought. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I told you, I I think I like watched it again and I got to see something I didn't see because I must have fell asleep or, you know, was on my phone or doing something else, you know, not paying attention. And No, that, that's how it goes. Yeah, like, but I like watching things a few times because every time you watch it, you find, you see more things you didn't see before. And usually I try to watch two episodes before I really talk about it with someone because you know, you see something, I see something. We also, like, when we see something, no matter how they, you know, wrote it, we're still going to perceive it differently. No, you know? absolutely. And that's what I was really excited about when I brought it up to you because we have a lot of, like, the same, you know, opinions on certain things, but being able to so, share this with you and talk about it with you, like... Same. Yeah. And just seeing some of the parts differently, too. It's like, oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, I didn't catch this. Like, I think that's yep. always pretty cool, too. For sure. So, Jesse, let's give them um, some of your social media and your new podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, my, my Instagram is I am Jesse Marie. Uh, it might be two E's or one E. Let me look. I barely use Instagram. <laughs> um, oh, no, it's just one E. I'm Jesse Marie. Uh, spelled the girl way, not the boy way. Um, I'm on Facebook, Jesse Marie, two E's. And I'm just looking forward to getting into the podcast game like Britain because he's a pro now. Um, uh, I wouldn't say all that. <laughs> Still working my way, but I appreciate that. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to learn from you and make sure that both of our podcasts are amazing. Um, no, I, I appreciate you doing this. I think I tell you that every time. But thank you, thank you, I'll thank tell you, you that 150 times. <laughs> I'm always grateful for any opportunity that you give me. And thinking of me, thinking of me, thank you. Well, it's because you introduced me to this. So I was like, who else would I do this with? And after the first two episodes, it was written so well. I was like, I could, I could introduce this to my podcast because I love the writing and I love the storytelling. Like, it's a beautiful story. So. And I think the next time that we do this, we might have a, another special guest. Um, yeah. I'm going to see if I can grab Miss Tut and join her, you know, 
get her onto this because it's something that, you know, needs to be talked about and right. to the completion of it. Uh, just to break down because, you know, Miss Tut is, Miss Tut reminds me of Hippolyta. Right. She, when I saw her, that's exactly who I thought of. You for know? the audience, Miss um, Tut is someone who taught us like a lot of different things in African American history and like our youth center. So like, it going back to like the generation where we kind of started our lessons of like the civil rights era of like Mega Evers in Mississippi, um, learning of Emmett Till, which uh, episode happens in a few episodes from now of that. In this, it's like it just it's kind of somewhat full circle as far as the history goes with like updated ways of like thinking with like sci-fi and just adding different nuances to it makes it like so entertaining if you know your history a little bit so yeah i think you hear miss tut name a lot is because that's where we learned a lot of these lessons from so yeah i'm sorry to not you know introduce her but she definitely she's an amazing woman she was a police officer she worked at Copag high school i think she was like one of the leaders in Amityville, in North Amityville at that. She started UNEO, it's United right. North Amityville Youth Organization. It's a great place, you know, they do tutoring, karate, they hold basketball. It's a place for you to go so you're not on the streets doing, you know, getting into trouble, period. And right. it's, a, it's an escape for young youth, basically, yeah. is the best way to and put it. I thank God for UNEO because if I didn't have UNEO, I never would have met Britain. Oh, same here. No, that's so, so true. You know, so, so true. I, I love you, Nao. Now my, you know, Miss Tut retired and now my dad and Miss Sanji hold on to it and they're doing what they're supposed to do for it. It's just the pandemic is holding everybody back. How but is, what's, what's happening with the youth center right now? Actually, that's a, that's a good thing. I think everything shut down. Like, I don't even think Master Clark's doing karate either. Oh. Um, because remember, like Master Clark and Miss Sanji were the ones that put karate into like the after school programs right. schools and everything like um, the amazing programs that they started especially you know learning how to defend yourself learning how to have self-control you know learning to deal with you know definitely other helps people. with discipline yeah yeah and me growing up being an only child like learning how to deal with people and learning how to be a good person and learning how to to work through arguments that people have you know stuff like that like that's what UNEO teaches you and it right. gives you a safe space I feel like that was the hangout every weekend you know right and I we wouldn't be us today if it wasn't for UNEO I totally agree yeah. I, I, you know I can't even refute that I totally agree so and I you're think better than me with UNEO with giving back you know I wouldn't say that I'm just saying, you know, we all give back however we can. I would love to, I can't wait to be in a position to give back more than what I've done. And because that was only a few years ago, I need to give back more. But, you know, I'm, I'm just, I was, I, I was grateful that I had the, the, the funds at the time to do something like that. But, you know. Yeah. Maybe we'll all. see when they open up everything, if we can uh, maybe try and do something. I think it'd be cool for sure. Because I, I was supposed to do like a, um, like a book signing during like, you know, the, the fish, the annual fish fry, like a year and I, some change ago, but because of the coronavirus, I kind of had to, you know, it never happened. So, which is totally understandable. So hopefully one day we'll get to do that again. But for yeah. me, I would like to let people know that by this time, my second book, Kids of the, uh, of the Kids of the Aspera, the sequel, The Black Kid Manifesto will be out. 
And as well, probably by the time of this episode, for sure, I expect um, 11 Central Park, which is like a romance comedy, a rom-com book to be out. So if everyone can take the time to maybe read the description, if you like it, to go purchase it, I would greatly appreciate that. That's in my Amazon um, thing right now. <laughs> oh, the, the I didn't ebook? Buy anything yes. Yet. I have all of them <laughs> in my Oh, in my I, I appreciate that so, so much. Thank you. So, I want to say this has been Americana Quill, writer to writer. Thank you again to my co host for the Lovecraft special edition, <laughs> Jesse Creighton. No, don't be. Thank I'm you glad guys. you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> I did have fun and thank you. And I can't wait to do more with you. <laughs> no, yeah, we got six more to go. So thank you guys. This has been Americana Quill, writer to writer. Take care. Bye, guys. <laughs>